I've received many, many environmental rewards. Uh, you know, really, rewards and awards. Oh, God in heaven, save us all from your rewards. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast. As heard on 90.7 FM KPFK, people-powered radio in L.A., up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast and 106.7 FM Queso in Cozy Cottage Grove. 93 FM WLRI in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui. WGRN 94.1 FM in Columbus, Ohio. And AM 950 KTNF in Minneapolis, St. Paul, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And of course, coast to coast and around the globe, streaming on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Nashville, Detour Talk in East Tennessee, Radio Monterey, and of course, Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week on Radio Sputnik. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker. Muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us today. A whole lot going on, a whole lot that we continue to try to catch up on uh, after uh, a a shortened uh, week, thanks to the uh, uh, Memorial Day holiday. So we're trying to play catch-up, but we've got a lot of stuff still coming in, so we're going to do all of the above today. Uh, I I just got to I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I want to say a word or two about it. Um, there was uh, last week in New Mexico at a Donald Trump rally, some violence broke up, broke out outside of the rally, uh, as it was reported by AP in one of the presidential campaigns campaign years, most grisly spectacles, protesters in New Mexico opposing Donald Trump's candidacy through burning T-shirts, plastic bottles, and other items at police officers, injuring several, toppling trash cans and barricades. Police responded with pepper spray and smoke grenades into the crowd outside the Albuquerque Convention Center. Uh, During the rally itself, inside the uh, presumptive Republican presidential nominee, Donald Trump was interrupted repeatedly by protesters. Of course, that always happens at his rallies. They shouted, they held up banners, and uh, resisted removal by security officers. Trump lashed back the next day, tweeting, uh, The protesters in New Mexico were thugs who were flying the Mexican flag. The rally inside was big and beautiful, but outside, criminals, said Donald Trump. Um, At one point inside the rally, a female protester was physically dragged from the stands by security. This was on the inside. Other protesters uh, scuffled with security as they resisted removal from the convention center inside. And as the as the protests uh, turned uh, turned ugly outside of the convention center. Well, that happened again in uh, in San Jose outside a rally in California out here on uh, on Thursday night as protesters began throwing eggs and punches 
at Trump supporters leaving the event, according to several news reports. There was a lot of video posted on this. NBC News uh, showed a crowd of protesters yelling insults, throwing food at a Trump supporter leaving the event. Uh, several fights broke out between Trump protesters and supporters. News reports characterized many of the clashes as being instigated by protesters, but in some cases did not specify who initiated them. One man was punched and knocked to the ground, leading to one person's arrest, according to CNN. Uh, at another point, also caught on video, a crowd surrounded a Trump supporter, punching him in the face. A video from uh, described by Mark uh, by Washington Post uh, showed one instance of someone getting punched in the face. Another that was, I guess, a second instant instance. Uh, another one from ABC News showed a Trump supporter with blood on his face who said he was uh, he was beaten up. Uh, it was ugly. It was very ugly. And, uh, you know, like I say, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because, frankly, it only helps the bad guys. And the bad guys in this case are the idiots who would uh, turn violent at a protest uh, and the idiots like Donald Trump, who uh, does very well when this happens, who does very well when they have these sorts of uh, protests that turn violent. This works very well for him. Some folks have even suggested that, uh, you know, he's out here in California, he goes to California, he goes to New Mexico to uh, to to campaign neither state. Uh, well, certainly out here in California, he's not going to win the state of California, most likely uh, come this November. So why is he even bothering out here? Some have suggested that it is because he is hoping that there will be these kind of protests uh, that are reliable, uh, particularly up in uh, Northern California, where you've got a lot of uh, anarchists and, and black bloc protesters who, uh, you know, just seem to love coming out and, uh, you know, banging on police cars, overturning trash cans, lighting things on fire. And uh, to be clear, there, I didn't see any evidence that any of those protesters were either Bernie Sanders supporters or Hillary Clinton supporters. They were anti-Donald Trump demonstrators. And uh, thankfully, there were a lot of uh, videotapes taken. I hope those uh, protesters who were violent get tracked down, get arrested, get thrown in jail. Uh, because it absolutely helps no one, particularly those of us trying to make the uh, free speech case, uh, you know, that uh, the people should be allowed uh, to protest at these uh, at these type of events. And uh, hey, uh, you idiots out there throwing punches and eggs, you ain't helping. Now, that said, uh, those are idiot protesters outside these events. Not a lot of them, not at a lot of the events, but, you know, it doesn't take many. It doesn't take uh, many punches thrown, caught on camera to turn people, you know, ag against anybody who would protest Donald Trump. And it works really, really well for Donald Trump to get those people, to get his people worked up, to get them agitated. He's very happy about it. But again, it's a couple of idiots, not a couple, a few idiots up there. Uh, you know. Hooligans is often what is referred to in uh, in England. Well, they call them hooligans. They're basically so. disaffected youth who like to get out there and, and uh, make a mess. Yeah. And, you know, they're doing a good job of it, uh, at least up in San Jose. And that, oh, by the way, that's uh, Desi Doyen, our Hello. producer. Hi, Des. Um, that said, it, you know, it's a number of uh, hooligans. A, to, in my opinion, a far bigger concern 
is uh, what we saw coming out of uh, out of that San Jose rally, uh, the inside the San Jose rally, when, as Politico reports today, a Donald Trump campaign staffer and a private security guard removed a Politico reporter from a campaign rally on Thursday evening for reporting at the event without the campaign's permission. Campaign staffer spotted the reporter from Politico typing on a laptop outside of the press pen at the San Jose Convention Center and asked the reporter who was attending on a general admission ticket. So this reporter paid to get in or not paid, but got a a, a ticket to get into this event. Uh, And uh, the uh, campaign staffer asked him if he had press credentials. The Trump campaign has refused to credential a certain number of reporters for multiple events throughout this uh, cycle. The staffer for working for uh, Trump said that he would consult with his superiors. He returned minutes later with a private security officer, instructed the reporter to leave the premises, escorting him out of a nearby exit. This was because he had the temerity to report on this event without having uh, the permission the permission of the Donald Trump campaign. You don't need permission. In case you're unclear about how the uh, how the First Amendment uh, works, freedom of the press. You don't need permission from a public official or someone running from office in order to cover their campaign. And, uh, you know, so the idea that a reporter has to remain in a press pen, an area, uh, you know, for these reporters... Press credentials are meant to make it more convenient for the reporters to get access to various places and so forth so they can be identified. There is nothing. There is no law. There is no tradition. There is nothing in the Constitution that says that a reporter, someone who wants to report, can't go to an event, go to a political event and write about it, as this reporter was. And it's just absolutely outrageous that the, uh, that the Trump campaign uh, would do this, would throw out reporters reporting on an event without permission to be a reporter at the event. So I, I just, you know, I, I need to try to put things in perspective here. Yes, the idiots up in San Jose who are causing violence should be arrested. They should be jailed for it. But if you want to know what's a real concern, what really threatens our republic it's the idea that a presidential, a presumptive presidential nominee would do this to a reporter and eject them from an event. Just please keep that in mind. Politico goes on to report that after weeks of media scrutiny about donations that uh, Trump has uh, had promised to veteran groups, he held a news conference on Tuesday uh, to announce that the groups uh, had received the money. But Trump, who often refers to journalists as, quote, scum and, quote, slime, he used that event to lambaste reporters for asking questions about the donations in the first place. We referred to one of the ABC News reporters as sleaze. And uh, this has happened more and more as Trump is going to war against the media. That, uh, you know, the the fact that we had reporters who looked into the fact, uh, the the claims that Donald Trump had made that he had given six million dollars to these veteran groups when he did not, when that was not paid, was then when that was not given to these veteran groups until The Washington Post and the AP actually looked into it and reported that uh, there was no sign that this money had been sent out, that Donald Trump himself, who had claimed to send out a million dollars, 
in this event that he hadn't put in any money at all. None of that money was sent out until these reports by the media, the same media that Donald Trump is throwing out of events until that was reported by the media. Uh, there had been uh, none of the promised money. And in fact, the money that was finally given was less than the $6 million that Donald Trump had initially uh, uh, promised. He has also, throughout this campaign, talked about, uh, quote, loosening up libel laws to make it easier to go after media outlets. In ejecting uh, unwelcome attendees, such as this reporter, uh, the campaign argues that its rallies are, quote, private events paid for by Mr. Trump. Of course, American taxpayers are footing the bill for Trump's Secret Service uh, detail at those events. Local governments incur costs uh, for the policing the disruptions that the events cause, as we saw outside and inside alike. So, um... Minutes after the ejection, Politico goes on to report the campaign sent that same reporter an email denying credentials to Trump's Friday event in Redding, California. What could possibly go wrong? You don't have permission to report on this event. That's a real concern. That's a real problem that everyone in America ought to pay attention to. Speaking of things that everyone in America ought to uh, be paying attention to, since Donald Trump doesn't know how this uh, freedom of the press thing actually works, um, the, uh, the press has the freedom to report on uh, our climate and our environment, but too often they don't uh, until something goes terribly wrong. And by the way, even when that happens, they don't uh, cover it very much. They don't connect the dots. Desi Doyen, on our, Green News, our most recent Green News report, we covered this amazing flooding going on in Texas, yes. in, uh, in Houston, uh, originally as of last weekend, in any case, where I think there was we reported uh, six had uh, been killed in that in that flooding. That number has uh, gone up uh, to, it's to last, eight. Last check that I saw was eight people have been killed. And mind you, this is the second deadly flooding event that Houston has had. They just are having another round this week uh, in addition to last week. So that's basically 200-year storms hitting Houston in the space of a week. Now, granted, the 100-year storms metric just means that the odds in the old days meant that you would get a kind of storm like this maybe every once in 100 years. Doesn't mean it happens every 100 years. The, the CNN meteorologist calls it 500-year flood, okay. actually, that, that it has been that bad because it has gotten worse uh, since our latest Green News report. And in addition to those uh, eight who died in the flooding uh, in Texas where they deny where almost all of the uh, public elected officials there, certainly the Republican ones, deny climate change is even happening, uh, things got a lot worse on Thursday when uh, uh, soldiers, uh, what do we have now, five Fort Hood soldiers uh, were found dead. Four are still missing as we go to air. This was all once again in the Texas flooding. Uh, they found two more soldiers uh, were confirmed dead at Fort Hood. This was after their military vehicle overturned uh, on the base uh, so now we're up to a total deceased uh, five soldiers, and the search continues for the remaining four missing soldiers. They are the latest victims of this onslaught of flooding in Texas that shows no sign of letting up. What happened here was the soldiers' tactical vehicle overturned at a low water crossing. Uh, and these are one of these uh, vehicles that are these big, heavy vehicles with a lot of uh, troops in them. That's how bad the flooding was at this crossing, which is usually low water. The bodies of these uh, dead soldiers were recovered downstream, and uh, the search continues. 
This comes after May, uh, the last month, that saw record rainfall in locations across Texas. So far, June has brought no reprieve. More rain and flooding is expected. And uh, in addition to this uh, unprecedented rain, the weather, um, which is supposed to start turning better around late Saturday, uh, is going to be followed up with its aftermath. This, according to uh, CNN's meteorologist Chad Meyer, the aftermath being a different threat, mosquitoes. Oh, yes, that's and right. And this will last for weeks. He said, I don't have to tell you what that means for West Nile, for Zika which is happening uh, down in uh, in Texas uh, with seven and a half more than seven and a half inches of rain in the first two days of the month. Houston has already surpassed its monthly average rainfall for June of five point nine inches. So it's average for the entire month of June is five point nine inches. And in two days, they received over seven and a half inches. That following uh, the record rainfalls last month, Fort Bend County near Houston is experiencing flooding. It calls unprecedented. Um, there have been more than 558 rescues in Fort Bend County. 1,400 homes have been affected by the water. Uh, the Brazos, is that how you say it? Brazos. Bra oh, you're from Texas. Brazos. Yes, I am. That's how you say it. Brazos. All right. The Brazos River was at nearly 55 feet elevation under the Richmond Bridge, which is four feet, four feet above the previous record that was set in 1994. So this is getting worse, not better. Texas Governor Greg Abbott, a huge climate denier himself, has now declared a state of disaster in 31 counties due to the flooding. What is this costing all of them? What is this costing the state of Texas for all of this damage, for all of this, uh, all of these rescue efforts, not to mention uh, the loss of life, the loss of life. Maybe they'll give a damn now that it's, you know, the troops, now that it's soldiers who have died in this flooding. CNN reports uh, that this is the second year in a row that Texas has been hit by five, what they call 500 year floods. Uh, and as you noted, Desi Doyen, it doesn't mean that this happens once every 500 years. It means that the odds of it happening, uh, you know, uh, this this type of flooding would happen only uh, once in every 500 years. And now it's happened two years in a row. So uh, back to back. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's uh, it's just amazing. And the fact that they don't most of the articles covering all of this mention nothing about climate change. Oh, of course not, because that would be like reporting on what's actually happening in the larger context. Connecting so, the dots, making people understand the context. Yes. So let's connect those dots. Uh, first of all, when you get these heavy rainstorms, and we're, I hope, going to talk about the heavy rainstorms yeah, and flooding in France Europe. and Germany. Yeah. Let's talk about what this weather pattern is. It's called a blocking pattern, and it is because the jet stream, which drives all weather across our continent, the jet stream is changing. Now, there's an active area of scientific research on why this is happening and what impacts it has. This active area of research is proposing that the loss of Arctic sea ice is changing the temperature in the atmosphere above the poles, which affects how the jet stream runs. It's not running as fast as it used to. Now it says slow down and is meandering, and that makes storm systems tend to park above certain areas, dumping their rain and not moving on. That is partly why we're having this. The second aspect of this is in Texas, development is rampant, and there is very little oversight. Developers have 
almost a free hand. There are two great articles in Texas Monthly, if people look them up, to talk about where the development was. The developers were told, hey, you're in a floodplain, this could get bad, and the cities and the city councils, with their elected city council members, decided to let it go through anyway. Of course, because so, money comes in, contractors, development, new residents. Uh, they, they don't give a damn about the people. They give this, a damn about the money. And this is why elections matter. Your local elections really do matter. People die because of this stuff. And all of this, of course, as you know, speaking of elections matter, all of this doesn't really exist. It's all just a hoax <laughs> as the Republican, the presumptive Republican nominee for president of the United States has repeated over and over again. It's just incredible. More storms now are, are on the way uh, uh, to, to Houston and, and parts of Texas through Saturday, uh, they could dump up to 10 inches of rain from Thursday through Saturday. About half of Texas is now under flood watches or warnings, but it's all just a hoax. Uh, a storm system uh, that moved through the area on Wednesday night and Thursday morning that was responsible for these uh, the river rising that killed these soldiers, uh, that dumped nearly 8 inches of rain in some of the city's northern suburbs. You mentioned, Desi Doyen, uh, Europe, and it was a story that I had hoped to get to yesterday that has only gotten worse since I uh, failed to get to it yesterday. So let me run through it here quickly. we got a lot to get to, and a lot of voting news, by the way, coming up. So stay tuned for that, if we can get to it, if we can, get, if we can slog through the rain. Somebody's got to cover this news. <sighs> yeah, somebody does. Um, torrential rains across France have now forced thousands of people from their homes. They saw stranded motorists rescued by soldiers as floodwaters rose. Uh, this is in France. Sound familiar, Texas? The Louvre Museum halted entries uh, on Thursday afternoon. It will be closed to the public uh, for this foreseeable future to evacuate artworks that are held in underground reserves as the River Seine began to burst its banks. That uh, The museum uh, along the river there, the Louvre, is uh, the most visited in the world. It's home to the Mona Lisa, to priceless Egyptian artifacts. And they took this radical action after days of torrential rain in the French capital. Only hours uh, before they decided to do this on Thursday, the museum had downplayed the threat to its uh, uh, underground stores and then decided, oh, wait, you know what? We better take action here. Uh, by some estimates, the river could rise six meters above its usual height. So six meters, that's, that's six times three uh, about is 18. 18 feet. The Museum d'Orsay uh, on the other side of the river has uh, already moved many of its uh, priceless uh, artifacts off site. Um, and uh, but uh, the, the deaths here also continue to mount in Europe. An 86 year old woman was found dead in her flooded house in a small town southwest of Paris on Wednesday night. She was apparently the first casualty from the heavy rains uh, that caused these uh, the, the Loire and Seine River to burst their banks. Uh, President Francois Hollande declared a state of emergency. Prime Minister Manuel Valls visited Nemours, which is uh, south of Paris, where at least 3,000 to 13,000 inhabitants were evacuated as floodwaters crept towards the second, the second story of buildings in the town center. So the water was rising. They had already gone upstairs, and now it's getting up to the second floor. At least five people were killed uh, in floods caused by prolonged heavy rains in, uh, in southern Germany's Bavaria state. Thousands of households were cut off from electricity. Firemen found the bodies of three women in the basement of a flooded house. Uh, 
east of Munich and the body of a man at another property in the town in the nearby in a nearby village. Emergency services discovered the body of a drowned woman draped over a trunk in a stream, a tree trunk in a stream. Her house had apparently collapsed. Four people were missing in the district of Rotal Inn. And uh, authorities were expecting the worst. Uh, this goes on and on, and it has gotten uh, still worse today. German authorities said the body of a 65-year-old man was found overnight in uh, the town of Simbach Inn, bringing the country's death toll now in Germany to 10. France also reported the death of a 74-year-old man who fell from his horse, drowned in a river in, uh, in the uh, eastern, eastern Paris. That's the second death in, uh, in France. In eastern Romania, two people died. 200 people were evacuated from their homes. Several other people in Europe were missing as of Friday, including a Belgian beekeeper who was swept away by the current while trying to save his hives from rising waters in the east village of uh, Harsin. Um, French energy company says that more than 20,000 customers are without power to the east. Uh, some good news, I suppose, concerning this. Two armed robbers who held up a supermarket in central France tried to make their getaway by swimming after floods cut off their escape route by car. The pair sped off into the local forest with motorcycle police on their tail after they robbed a supermarket, but they found the uh, forest road was cut off by a torrent of flood water up to uh, a meter and a half deep, and they were forced to abandon their car, tried to escape by swimming, but they were picked up swo uh, uh, soaking wet and freezing cold. Bad weather helped in their arrest, a local prosecutor said. So see, Des? So there's that. Global warming is good. <laughs> helped catch the bad guys. Meanwhile, back in these United States where we deny anything is happening here at all, the Congressional Budget Office, uh, the nonpartisan, the fiercely nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office, the CBO, this is the office that uh, Republicans and Democrats alike uh, hand their legislation to to get it scored to find out how much it will cost. Uh, you know, when it is uh, uh, passed and put into practice. Well, the CBO is now warning lawmakers about the fiscal risks of climate change. What took you so long, CBO? Uh, this is uh, their report from the CBO uh, was released as hurricane season begins here in the U.S., warning that hurricane damage will increase, quote, increase significantly in the coming decades due to climate change. The agency also noted that humans are playing a role in the rising temperatures and the shifting climate. Quote, human activities around the world, primarily the burning of fossil fuels and widespread changes in land use. That's what you mentioned down there in Texas, Des. Yep. Uh, that uh, these activities are producing growing emissions of greenhouse gases. Experts in the scientific community have concluded that a portion of those emissions are absorbed by the oceans, but a substantial fraction persists in the atmosphere for centuries, trapping heat and warming the Earth's atmosphere. Of course, every single Republican nominee, a candidate who was running for uh, uh, the nomination, uh, basically referred to this science that the CBO is now citing as uh, going to be very costly to these United States and to these Republicans who pretend they give a damn about uh, how much government is spending, um, every pretty much every single one of them uh, calls climate change a hoax or pseudoscience or we're just the facts aren't in. The CBO report uh, included possible policies that Congress might enact to help mitigate those rising costs. Yeah, good luck with that. 
Among the uh, recommendations uh, they had was a coordinated effort to significantly reduce global emissions, unquote. Yeah, like that's going to happen with this Congress. Right. The federal government has spent, uh, they, they, this story goes on to note uh, from Politico that uh, the government, U.S. government has spent $209 billion so far in discretionary spending uh, to address hurricane damage just since the year 2000 alone. About 75% of that went to just two storms, Hurricane Katrina in 2005 and Hurricane Sandy, which hit hit the uh, North Coast just before Election Day in 2012. But strangely enough, that didn't seem to change the Republicans' outlook on global warming and the damage it's causing and uh, the, uh, the, uh, the deaths it's now causing to our troops, as the Defense Department has long warned. Um, but they don't give a damn. So uh, there's a, a mixed bag of good news and bad news. But I got some good news coming up for you next. Mitch McConnell now declares there are no serious barriers to voting anymore anywhere in America. That fantastic news is next right here on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Stay tuned. Hey, this is Brad. The 2016 election season is now at full throttle. Here at the Bradcast and bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year round like no other media outlet in the nation. But we need your support to help keep us going. Please help us continue to fight independently for your democracy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate today. And thanks. Okay, welcome back to the broadcast. Desi Doyen, you're not calling Mitch McConnell uh, an American idiot, are you? Is oh, that no. what you're trying to say with that bumper no. music? Why okay. would I do that? Yeah, all right. That'd welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com, Senate Majority Leader. Republican Mitch McConnell dismissed efforts to restore the Voting Rights Act since it was gutted by the U.S. Supreme Court in 2013. He's apparently out doing a book tour now. He's got a new book out, uh, and uh, he, he told USA Today in an interview that uh, a lot of this, in my view, doesn't have anything to do with anything other than their estimation of what would give them an electoral advantage. He's talking about the Democrats there and uh, the various lawsuits that we've been uh, that we've seen filed that we've been covering on this show throughout the uh, well several years at this point. Uh, he says that uh, the efforts, these lawsuits are motivated by Democratic part, uh, partisanship. It's not really about knocking down barriers. There are no serious barriers to voting anymore anywhere in America, Mitch McConnell said. Uh, he writes about, apparently, in his book that he was there when the uh, he attended the 1965 signing of the civil rights, uh, uh, landmark civil rights legislation, the Voting Rights Act, uh, and says, of course, it was needed then, but it's not needed now, he says. Uh, the, the provisions that would require uh, jurisdictions with a history of, uh, of, of racial 
discrimination uh, to pre to get preclearance for new election laws. That was the part that was essentially gutted by the U.S. Supreme Court in 2013. He said, uh, well, that w- we don't need to treat those uh, jurisdictions differently. Uh, that was uh, the, in the South, he says, uh, and uh, those uh, provisions don't, quote, don't apply anymore. It's 50 years later. Funny thing about those restrictions, they do apply, those provisions. They At least they should apply because since the gov- since the uh, US Supreme Court killed the Voting Rights Act, the most uh, crucial section that kept states like Mitch McConnell's from being able to put these uh, uh, f- voting restrictions in place, state after state after state, including Desi Doyen's beloved Texas <laughs> and uh, my own home state of Missouri have been placing uh, putting in laws to make it harder to vote. And uh, these photo ID restrictions in particular that affect Democratic-leaning voters, that affect uh, uh, minority voters like African-Americans, Hispanics, uh, the elderly, students. And we've seen these problems with these new laws in primary election after primary election so far this year up in Wisconsin. Remember those uh, hours-long lines that students were forced to stand in thank to, thanks to the, uh, the new uh, photo ID restriction up there in Wisconsin passed by those Republicans up there. So we've talked a, a lot about uh, the effect on uh, African-Americans and students and so forth. Uh, but these laws also affect, and we haven't talked about it much, Native Americans. Reuters uh, reported recently uh, on a gentleman by the name of Elvis Norquay. He's a member of the Chippewa Indian tribe up in uh, in North Dakota, where he has lived uh, most of his 58 years on the North Dakota's remote Turtle Mountain Reservation. And he says that he has never had a problem voting until 2014, after changes were made uh, by the Republicans to North Dakota's uh, voting law. And North Dakota is one of the states that will um, be having a primary on Tuesday, along with South Dakota, New Mexico, New Jersey, Montana, and, of course, California. Uh, So there's a lawsuit by the the Native Americans up there in North Dakota trying to do something about this. The story of Elvis Norquay, he says that in uh, 2014 he hitched a ride with a friend to cast a ballot in local and congressional elections but was turned away embarrassed that uh, he asked why he couldn't vote. He was told he lacked proper ID under new state requirements at the time. Now, Elvis Norquay has no phone, he has no current driver's license, and his tribal ID lacks a street address. So he has a tribal ID, but he was not able to vote uh, on his own reservation. When we left, my friend said, that's not right, said Norquay. Uh, who has lived on disability since 2002 in uh, a rural county near the Canadian border. He's among a number of a growing number of Native Americans who are in these court battles over these changing uh, these changes to voting laws that could affect the outcome of some tight races in the November 2016 presidential and congressional elections. While the Native American population is small nationally, Reuters reports, lawsuits involving tribes over voting problems have proliferated since the Supreme Court struck down parts of that Voting Rights Act in 2013, which Mitch McConnell says isn't a problem at all. 
North Dakota is one of 17 states that have new voting restrictions in place since the last presidential contest. There's going to be a lot of surprises in 2016, I'm afraid. I'm afraid it's going to be an absolute mess, to be frank, and that's why we continue to report on it throughout the year. Uh, not only you know the days before and after an election, but all year around. Right now, there are federal uh, five federal lawsuits involving Native Americans that have been filed since the uh, uh, Shelby County decision, uh, the 2013 Supreme Court decision. Three this year alone suits in uh, North Dakota, Utah, South Dakota, and Arizona claim new voting rules passed in majority Republican states are discriminatory and could reduce voting by tribal members who tend to back Democrats. Uh, the tribes say the changes to these voting rules in those states disproportionately affect Native Americans, um, an allegation that those states and counties deny, of course. The Native American vote is not big enough to flip a safe Republican state such as North Dakota into the Democratic column in this year's presidential election, Reuters notes. But Native Americans are a growing proportion of the population and a majority in some counties where increased voter turnout in recent years has tipped the balance in some congressional races. Now, I should say, um, I don't care if it tips a race or not. What I care about is if people are allowed to exercise their right to vote. So to me, you know, I don't actually ultimately uh, care if it you know, flips an election. Uh, and that's why I will go to bat for, uh, you know, voters, supporters of candidates who I absolutely loathe and despise. I will still go to bat for, to support their uh, supporters because they should have their right to vote, to vote as they would like, to have their vote recorded, to have their vote recorded accurately and to have that vote counted, counted accurately and counted in a way that the people can know that it has been counted accurately. This uh, one of these uh, election officials up in North Dakota said that the ID requirements that they were passed in uh, North Dakota, they're not a barrier for the 97 percent of state residents with driver's license. That's an accepted form of ID. And the number of people affected by the change, he says, is minuscule. Really? Three percent of the population is minuscule. One person who can't vote. You consider that minuscule if they've lost their right to vote. Uh, Rollett County, which uh, surrounds Elvis Norquay's reservation, is one of two counties in the state where about 75 percent of the population is Native American. Uh, those two counties, uh, let's see, uh, Rollett and mm, I, I don't see which the other one here, but uh, these two counties were the only places in North Dakota that gave President Barack Obama more than 70 percent of the vote in 2012. Uh, oh, yeah, this was uh, after Republicans pushed for this bill after Heidi Heitkamp, a Democrat, was elected to the U.S. Senate in 2012 by less than 3,000 votes. So when they talk about the idea that it's minuscule, well, when you get elections that are decided by just 3,000 votes, uh, 3% of the voting population not being able to cast their vote, that's not necessarily a minuscule number, is it? After the changes in the ID law were implemented in North Carolina, voter turnout in Rollett County, uh, which uh, one of the two counties in the state where 75 percent of the population is Native American, uh, turnout in Rollett County dropped by more than 12 percentage points. Mission accomplished. Yep. More than any other county in the state. 
Uh, again, I don't give a damn who they're voting for. Don't take their rights away. And uh, frankly, don't lie about it. And that's exactly uh, what the head of the Texas Republican Party is now doing. Texas has been embroiled in this fight. Uh, Republicans there have passed this photo ID restriction. We've been reporting on it for years because they have been, uh, you know, fighting. Uh, there's been lawsuits against it for years. And uh, the courts that have looked at it, all of them have found it to be in violation of the Voting Rights Act and or the U.S. Constitution. And that's where it stands right now. That law, the Texas photo ID voting restriction, is unconstitutional. That, according to both the trial court and the appellate court that looked at it. However, the Republicans are appealing that decision by the appellate court. Uh, and uh, in the meantime, uh, though the, uh, uh, the, the U.S. courts have uh, found this to be unconstitutional, they're putting a stay on that court decision, which means that this photo ID restriction that is illegal and unconstitutional is currently staying in place. It was in place during Texas's recent primary. Uh, and, um, you know, unless the stay is uh, uh, lifted, it will be in place in uh, in 2016 in the November election. Now, the U.S. Supreme Court has said they will take action by July in time to do something about it if the uh, appellate court has not acted. But Tom Meckler, who is the chair of the Republican, uh, the, the, the Republican Party, the state Republican Party in Texas, Tom Meckler, he wrote a uh, an op-ed at the Texas Tribune yesterday with the headline, The Fifth Circuit Court Must Uphold Voter ID. And in his op-ed... Uh, he describes why it is so important, why uh, this uh, photo ID restriction is needed to stop voter fraud. Now, mind you, when this uh, when Texas photo ID law went to court, the state was unable to show any actual fraud that would have been deterred by their photo ID law. That's one of the reasons they lost the case. Uh, but they are still pretending this is the case, much as they are pretending that global warming is not happening. So Tom Meckler, the uh, head, the chair of the Republican Party in the state of Texas, writes this article. And here's the argument that he gives why it's so important that this photo ID uh, law be upheld by the Fifth Circuit Court, a very conservative court, by the way. So they very, mal, very well may uh, uphold this law. He writes, as is often the case, the Democrats like to claim that voter fraud isn't a real problem, despite the overwhelming evidence to the contrary. Gilberto Hinojosa, the chairman of the Texas Democratic Party, recently represented Lupe Rivera Sr., who has been charged with 16 counts of voter fraud in the Rio Grande Valley. This is in Meckler's uh, op-ed. He also goes on to say former Democratic state, uh, former Democratic state rep Chente Quintanilla. 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 Pardon my uh, French. You're not Spanish. Yeah. Uh, and Democratic Justice of the Peace Nina Cerna are both being investigated by the Texas Attorney General's Office for alleged voter fraud. Well, that's a lot of voter fraud going on. Maybe we do need this photo ID restriction. So uh, funny thing about this, um, it includes links to these stories at the uh, Texas Tribune at Trib Talk at Texas Tribune. And I did something that uh, very few people uh, ever actually do. I clicked on the links that were supplied. And uh, what do you know? This first case, Lupe Rivera Sr., 
Uh, so uh, this is a case where a, a 2000, uh, 2013 election had been challenged in court. Uh, there was claims of fraud. A court uh, finally decided uh, about two years later, this was back in uh, September of 2015, uh, the, the court decided that they should have a new election because the concerns of fraud were, in fact, real enough that the uh, election results had to be thrown out. So uh, 30, uh, this was, uh, 30 votes were illegally cast in that election, and the Lopez... Uh, in this case, had fallen short. The challengee uh, had fallen short by 16 votes. 16 votes. She lost the election uh, in a, uh, what is this, a city's uh, general election, a, a small town, uh, Wilasco City Commission. So Lopez lost the race by 16 votes, uh, and you had 30 that were illegally cast. But what do we find? So it's true. Voter fraud is a problem. What do we find when we look at this? Well, the criminal complaint here alleges that false statements and information were made and provided on voter registration and mail-in ballot applications. For example, votes cast in the name of Ricardo Garcia and Jacqueline Raquel Garcia, uh, alleged in the uh, complaint, were fraudulent. Both testified that they reside in Mercedes and that their identities were stolen and mail-in ballots were requested in their names and cast from Rivera's sister's address. Rivera was the uh, incumbent commissioner in this case. Um, Jacqueline uh, uh, Garcia had also testified that the signatures on the carrier envelope for the mail-in ballot was not her own. So in other words, these uh, this vote fraud turns out it was vote-by-mail fraud. It had nothing to do with polling place photo ID restrictions. Then I looked at the other one, the other case that is cited by the Republican chair, the state Republican chair in the state of Texas uh, this, uh, that is so, supposedly being investigated by the Texas AG's office for alleged voter fraud. Guess what? That, too, is all absentee vote-by-mail fraud. Which, as I have noted many, many times on this program, where there is fraud by voters, it is done by absentee ballot fraud. Uh, now, in, in, uh, in the case of this uh, second case, it's not even actual voter fraud. They're, they're claiming that people going around collecting uh, absentee ballots were coercing the elderly. And this is a, an argument we hear a lot from Republicans, that Democrats are going out and coercing, going to nursing homes and, and uh, coercing the, uh, the elderly into voting in a particular way. Um, and that is what is being investigated, or at least uh, was being investigated, of Jan in January of this year, uh, according to the El Paso Times. Apparently, little has come uh, of that investigation so far because Tom Meckler, the head of the Republican Party in Texas, did, uh, did not uh, link to it. He linked to this report of a potential investigation. The state AG's office did not confirm this but a potential investigation in January for, for coercion of absentee ballots, which have nothing to do with po the polling place photo ID voting restriction that Tom Meckler, the head of the Republican Party, is fraudulently claiming needs to be uh, upheld because of these cases. 
And he goes on uh, to respond to uh, voting rights advocates who say that uh, photo ID laws are discriminatory, and they are, as has been proven over and over and over again. And he says, but, uh, you know, they don't even need to worry about it. Even if you can't get an ID, he says, quote, some folks also seem to have forgotten that you can vote by mail instead and forgo the entire ID process. So part of his case is that even if you have trouble getting a photo ID and some 600,000 legally registered voters in the state of Texas do not have the type of ID that is now required under this law, some 600,000 voters, more than a million who are eligible to become voters don't have the type of ID that is now required by Texas. They shouldn't worry about it because, remember, they can vote by mail instead and forgo the entire process of having to get an ID because photo ID doesn't apply in vote by mail. The same vote by mail that Tom Meckler cites as reasons why you need to have the polling place photo ID law. Unbelievable. I've right, reached out to uh, Tom Meckler to try to get a, a comment from him how it is that he can fraudulently use absentee ballot fraud as an argument for uh, a photo for polling place photo ID restrictions. I have yet to hear back from Tom Meckler for some odd reason. Uh, okay, I, there, there's more, and uh, there's more reason to be concerned about uh, the ability to vote at all this November. Um, and uh, specifically in Ohio. But I think I'm going to have to hold that off for now because we're running behind. Uh, I will get to it in our next thrilling episode. But uh, in the meantime, I, I just want to leave you at least with this one piece of good news. Some good news here for a change. The move uh, in the nation's fifth most populous state is a very big deal. This is a move, uh, a victory for voting rights, as Illinois is poised to pass automatic voter registration, the nation's fifth most populous state. Uh, this would be, if it is passed by the state's Republican governor, if it is signed by the state's Republican governor. Right now it is. it has been passed. This would be a landmark victory for voting rights, according to the Brennan Center for Justice, automatic voter registration. Which means that if you go to uh, the, uh, the DMV to update your driver's license or anything like that, you will automatically uh, be registered to vote unless you opt out. The House has passed the measure 86 to 30. It now heads to the uh, desk of Governor Bruce Rauner, who has indicated support for it. He said last month that he was a, quote, big fan of simplifying the voter registration process. And, quote, very supportive of everybody who should be voting, get them registered and get them voting. That's what he claims. We'll see if he now signs this law. If he does, Illinois would become the sixth state this year to have automatic voter registration. Joining California, Connecticut, Oregon, Vermont and West Virginia, who have all added this, uh, I think, within the past year. This is a good and happy response Yay. to the uh, uh, Republican efforts to keep people from voting. Uh, at least it's getting easier in certain states uh, to become registered to vote and uh, maybe to get to the polling place. So there is some good news as this fight continues, as we uh, underscore every day on this program. Yes. Elections have consequences. Elections do matter. Voting does matter. 
but we continue to have to fight like hell for our right to do it and uh, for our right to have it counted and counted accurately in a way that we can know it's counted accurately. All of that, despite the uh, head of the uh, U.S. and the Republican uh, majority leader of the U.S. Senate telling Americans uh, that there are no serious barriers to voting anymore anywhere in America. The fight continues right here on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. A quick break, and we are back with more right after this. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence. Why? Because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Keep that playing a little bit, Des. That's the uh, that's the song by 300 South African firefighters who flew in from South Africa to Alberta, Canada, to fight the massive blaze that continues up there in the tar sands region of uh, of Alberta, Canada. Yeah, that's the uh, 300 firefighters trained by South Africa. They're going up there to help. Folks in Fort McMurray are returning to their homes, but the fire continues. Yes, it does. Uh, and these people, uh, 300 of them, were uh, were flown in, as you said. It was a 24-hour journey. That fire, we, it does, we started reporting on the Fort McMurray fire almost a month ago. I know. Now, where they had um, unbelievable heat up there. Extreme, what was it, like 20 degrees above normal, degrees Fahrenheit above normal for this time of year. A huge fire, and that fire continues. It it ended up, um, they had to evacuate the town of Fort McMurray, which supports the tar sands oil fields uh, that are nearby. That's that thick, sticky, gooey uh, tar sands oil that was supposed to be shipped down through the uh, through the Keystone XL pipeline that uh, the company, the private company up there, TransCanada, is still fighting to get permission to open up that Keystone XL pipeline. Uh, but this amazing fire desert, that was like three weeks ago. This is still going on? Yes. Up in Canada? It could take months for it to go out completely. Well, uh, these 300 firefighters came all the way from South Africa. It's the biggest ever non-military deployment of South Africans to help a foreign country. They're coming in to help the exhausted Canadian firefighters. uh, And uh, the the South African government says they see it as repaying a debt to the Canadian people for their support of the uh, anti-apartheid struggle decades ago. Um, I can't believe this fire is still going on. I mean, it was not covered uh, even when it happened. You didn't uh, see anything about it in most of the uh, the corporate media. Here in the U.S. Here in the, at least you're right, exactly, here in the U.S., uh, despite the fact that, the uh, despite the irony of it happening in the first place, uh, right by the Tar Sands region, uh, where all of these people, now at the time I had pointed out, uh, I'm trying to be, sa- I was trying to be sensitive to the people who lived there, who uh, a lot of them, you know, lost their homes. Uh, it was just a terrible situation. Um, 
But, you know, the irony of the people who are there because of the tar sands losing their home. I heard from uh, a listener, Laura L., Lauren L., uh, who lives up in Alberta, Edmonton, and uh, she uh, loves our broadcast. Thank you, Lauren. Uh, but she mentioned uh, on the show, this was a couple weeks ago, on the show I'm listening to today on uh, Netroots Radio that the people of Fort McMurray happen to live near the tar sands. She says, actually, the town is there because of the tar sands. And the latter is the main employer with other people there to support tar sands workers. The tar sands is the biggest employer in our province, she says. It pays workers a fortune, and we have a huge high school dropout rate because people go up there for the big money to work in those tar sands oil fields. She says, our people have been wonderfully generous to the evacuees and something to be proud of, but there is also huge denial. She says she posted something on Facebook about now is a good time to look at what the Fort McMurray people do. And uh, during the rebuilding there would be a good time to change the city's focus. She says, even my most liberal friends got angry with me for bringing this up, telling me it's too soon to think about it, kind of like after Newtown, it was too soon to talk about gun control. She says, here in Edmonton, it has been bloody hot for spring. The flowers and trees in my yard, which normally bloom in late June, are, are almost finish, finished blossoming. This was back in, uh, in mid-May. We had almost no snow this winter up in Canada. I just had to repeat that. No snow. And uh, things are tinder dry here, she says. Uh, yet people stick their heads in the tar sands and think only about jobs and economy. She says, don't pity Fort, uh, Fort, uh, Fort McMurray people too much. They live there because they are paid a fortune. Insurance will cover the damage to their houses. They are traumatized but will return to their environment ruining jobs. That's from Lauren L., Writing into Bradcast at Bradblog.com. Des, I know we got to get out, but you had another related story breaking over the wires. Yes, uh, more fun break. with fossil fuels. Uh, this is just coming across the wires as we go to air. An oil train has derailed near Mosier, Oregon. That's 70 miles east of Portland on the Columbia River Gorge. The town of Mosier has been evacuated because the train has derailed and is on fire. So it, there you go. Yeah, it never stops. Unless you watch the corporate media, in which case you'd have uh, no idea what, what's going on here and you would uh, hear none of these dots all connected. Thank you for connecting the dots, Desi Doyen. I'm sure we'll have more on that story in our uh, in our next broadcast, in our next Green News report. So my thanks to you uh, and our thanks to all of our listeners for spending a portion of your day or night with us, particularly those of you who have stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help us continue doing what it is we do here. If you missed any portion of today's show, you can download it for free at bradblog.com or over at iTunes, where we hope you'll give us a good review, make it easier for other people to find our show as well. Drop me a line. I am bradcast at bradblog.com or find me on the Twitters or the Facebooks at the bradblog, hashtag bradcast. That's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.